I want to take you back to mid-March, back before all the craziness. It's a week out from Brandon and Claire's wedding. Um, And, you know, there's all the excitement of, they're about to get married, how they were going. And while they're dealing with all of that, um, the world is going stupid crazy. And um, there's whispers of restrictions coming in. And so... um, catch up with Brandon on the Wednesday, how's it all going? And the PM says on Wednesday, no groups over 100 anywhere. And it's like, oh, what? <laughs> because they had more than that coming to the wedding and coming to the reception. How could this happen? Like, how could, what, what do we do? And they're juggling it all and making these awkward phone calls, I'm sure, and just trying to figure things out. And they've got it all sorted. And it comes to Friday, the day before the wedding. Friday afternoon, and they're in here getting things sorted out, and the Prime Minister says, one person for every four square metres. And it's shut down even further because you couldn't fit those 100 people in this room, and, ah, there's got to be less people, and this is crazy. How can this all happen? And then, um, like, we're throwing pews out of, not throwing, carefully taking pews, um, yeah, being good stewards of what the church has given us, and um, putting them in the rec hall and sorting things out, and it, and it actually looks nice in the end. And we get to Saturday. The PM hasn't made any new announcements, so we go through with the wedding, and um, it was a strange thing. It was a beautiful thing, Brandon. It was beautiful. Um, but it was really strange because standing up here, uh, with this room full of people and there were people outside. Well, this room wasn't full of people. It had an appropriate amount of people in here. And um, we're singing. And I knew that there was going to be no church service in here the next day, that this was the last time we were going to sing together in this place for who knows how long. It was three months. But at that time, we had no idea. And it was just like... I'm going to remember that moment. Um, You'll probably remember it clearer than me, but that was an amazing moment. Um, But we're just feeling the walls just do, 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 do coming in. By Tuesday the next week, five people at a wedding. (laughs) They just snuck in. Um, And then very soon after that, we all go to ground. And no one can do anything. And it's weird and it's tense and it's confusing and it's frustrating and this really restricting time. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty familiar. And then mid-May comes around and shopping centres are open. Bang! Everyone's back at Tea Tree Plaza like nothing has happened, right? Um, Last month, they start cautiously opening restaurants and you can't get a booking anywhere because everyone is back in there again. And then last week, they opened the borders cautiously. Bankson's are gone to Queensland. Because we've been cooped up for so long, we really realise the value of freedom, right? We, we know and appreciate that. And I mean, that's just shopping and restaurants and SeaWorld. But restrictions have been eased for us in a far better, more profound way. And that's what we're going to dig into tonight in God's Word, Hebrews chapter 10. So if you got it there, if you can't find it, Hebrews chapter 10, it comes 10 chapters into the book of Hebrews, uh, three chapters from the end. So the first nine chapters, nine and a half chapters of Hebrews, whoever's written this book, 
um, um, by the Spirit of God, they're just ramping up. This whole letter is, is meant to hype us up. It's just like a cheerleader cheering us on. Come on, this is the best. Being a Christian is the best. Spends the first nine and a half chapters of the book talking about Jesus and how much better Jesus is than anything. He's better than prophets. He's better than angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than um, the priest. He's better than animal for sacrifice. He's better than everything. And then it gets to this point. This is why Jesus is the best. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. We're going back a little bit. And every priest, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, not standing, he sat down at the right hand of God. It's done. It's finished. Waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I'll make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus has done it. He's the best. Ramped up, right? And now... So excited that whoever's writing this letter, the next bit of his letter is all one sentence. And he's doing it in Greek, which is amazing. But three times he says this thing, let us, let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us stir up. And these aren't commands. He's not saying you must do this. He's saying, let us. It's like this, it's like this gate has just swung wide open after being in lockdown forever. It's like someone saying, oh, let's go to the beach. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's go dancing. Let's, let's do something because we're going to go crazy sitting in here for, for much longer. It's not an order. It's like because we can. Because we don't want to miss out on what's out there. And we will go crazy and be miserable if we just stay here. Three let, let, let us. Three lettuces. Three great freedoms, and we're going to dig into them, all right? First one, let us draw near. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God. We've been forced to um, pull away from each other in this season, and uh, it's actually been kind of nice to have a little bit of personal space. Um, but we're magnets. People are magnets. We are drawn to things. We draw near to all kinds of different things. It might not be people. It might not be God. But we have this innate desire for something, to draw near to things. So where, where do you feel that? Where do you feel the pull? What can't you shake? What is pulling you? What are you being drawn towards? What do you always find yourself coming back to for comfort, for distraction? Uh, a friend of mine in Melbourne, poor Melbourne, um, he's, he's dreading going into lockdown again. 
He said that um, music and TV are the, the two things that he really loves and finds enjoyment in, but he's living in this place where his neighbours on either side can hear everything, um, and they've told him to be quiet, and so now he can't do either of them. And so he's weighing up what he can do. So he's, he's thinking, well, do I take up reading or drugs? Um, he was joking, clearly, sadly about both, but... It's actually not far from the truth. Um, during this COVID season, alcohol consumption in Australia has gone up 20%. And the two main reasons that people have given, stress and boredom. Just drawing near to things because we're stressed, because we're bored. And things other than God. We draw near to all kinds of dark things. And not just alcohol. There's all kinds of things. These things that pull us like a magnet. And it's hard to shake. Drawing near dark things is bad, obviously. But it's doubly bad because um, when we do that, it makes us feel unworthy. <laughs> like we can't draw near to God. Hebrews is saying, draw near to God's throne. And we think, are you kidding? I just stuffed up so royally bad. I can't talk to Jesus right now. <laughs> Maybe I'll catch him tomorrow. Don't fall into that trap. Draw near to God. And the best time to draw near to God is right away. Because <laughs> get this, there is nothing, nothing that you can do in the moment straight after being drawn to those dark things. There's nothing that you can do that's going to prepare you well enough to come near to God, to meet God. You just just do it. And the reason you can is because Jesus has made the way. He's prepared the way for you to do it. You don't do it. He does. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, confidence, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Jesus has made this new and living way through the curtain. And, you know, you remember the curtain in, in the temple where the priests would come daily with the sacrifices, this temple that separated everyone from the holy of holies, from where God was. Um, that was the curtain. But here the, the writer is saying the curtain is Jesus. The curtain is Jesus' flesh. And this is a really powerful image. Like you think of a curtain. A curtain separates, right? separates two spaces but it doesn't just separate the two spaces it actually faces those two spaces and sees into those two spaces theologian ff F. bruce he said this the curtain on one side was in contact with the glory of god and then the other side of the curtain saw the deepest needs of women and men both at the same time the curtain separates, but the curtain sees both. Jesus knew both sides intimately. He knew the glory of God and had it. And he knew our deepest need as well. He's the curtain. And it says he made a way through the curtain. That he was torn apart for us. He opened the way for our needs, our desperate needs, to be met by the glory of God through him on the other side. That he has 
become this curtain for us, knows us, knows him, and brings us through. So why would we stand on our side of the curtain thinking that we couldn't come through, thinking that we need to dress ourselves up enough in order for some angel usher to go, all right, you're good enough, come through. That's crazy. Jesus has torn this curtain open for us that's him, and it's open and it's not closed over and it will not close over. It is open. And by faith in his name, he hasn't just opened the curtain for us. He has prepared us. That it says he has sprinkled us clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He is the one that prepares us. So in that moment where you've been drawn to dark things and you know it, and you know that's not where you want to be because you want to be free, right? But you're feeling like, oh, I'm not ready right now. You are. Because Jesus Christ has made you ready in that moment to draw near to him straight away. Don't wait until the morning. Don't wait until you've got it all sorted out. You don't, you can't on your own. Just believe that he has. What a freedom, right? We can come straight to him no matter what. No matter what. There's more. That is just the first one. Ramping up. Here we go. Let us hold fast. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It's getting harder to hold fast to things because everything's changing, right? And what is truth and what is fake news and, and what is trustworthy. Like with Brandon and Claire's wedding, the rules were changing from every couple of days and, and you're trying to hitch everything here and then it's moved to here and um, we don't really know what to hold on to in those kind of moments. You grab at something and it's gone. How do you hold fast to that? That's a special situation. Um, but not everything changes so fast. Some of these things move slowly. They don't just change in a day or two. They change in a week or over a course of months or years. And this is how it happens. Is we stop treating the truth as the truth. And we start holding on to other things as the truth. More comfortable things. Um, think about a shopping bag. If you hold a bag of shopping, like, you know, just one of those plastic Woolies bags, it's good. It holds your shopping. It's not too bad. Something magic, not magical, something evil happens when instead of holding one bag of shopping, you are holding four bags that all have an equal amount in them, right? You notice how that fourth bag starts to chop off your fingers? Like, it, it digs, it's the same plastic, but it's doing something really painful to your hand because you are holding on to too many things and you have to let something go. It's hard to hold fast to God when we're holding on to too many things, when we're letting other truths, comfortable truths, truths get in the way of the, the truth. It gets uncomfortable, it gets hard, it cuts in, and we feel our grip loosen. But we need to hold fast. And this is the sixth time in this short letter that the author of Hebrews has told us to hold fast. You've got to hold on. Hold fast. But to what? He says, hold fast to our hope. 
the hope we have in Christ. And the picture gets more vivid. Like this is chapter 10. This is where like it's all been building up to this big ramp. And then chapter 11, 12, 13 is where like the, the motorbike is just like... <laughs> Sorry, that just came to me then. It's a ramp and then the jump and he's flying, right? In chapter 13, this is a picture, chapter 12 and 13, a picture of our hope. 22, 12, 22. But you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, a kingdom. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. He's saying, this is our trajectory. This is where we're going. And hold on, because it's coming and it's so good. Keep a picture of where we are headed. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is our hope. Hold on to it. And the reason we can hold on to it is because we can hold on to what God says. He is faithful. Back in chapter 6, he says this, chapter 6, verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, guaranteed, something you can hold fast to, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone on our behalf. An anchor. This is the hope we have. It's a beautiful hope. It's an unshifting hope. It is the truth because he does not lie. And it's a beautiful place to be. And we need to hold on. And if anything else is making it hard to hold on, let those other things go. But let us hold on to this. One more. Let us. Back to chapter 10. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's so good to be together again. <laughs> really, really is, right? Until someone does something awful. And then meeting together becomes the last thing that we want to do. But let us consider how to stir up one another. This word stir, <laughs> the, the word in Greek, it means to incite to irritate, to provoke, to poke and aggravate. There's no wonder that some were in the habit of not meeting together. It's the same word that is used in Acts. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they're traveling and they have this massive disagreement over whether they're going to take Mark with them. And it's the same word that they were stirred up and they ended up going their separate ways for a time. But life together with Christians is hard. It's irritating. We can feel provoked and stirred up and really uncomfortable. And you know, I, I reckon a key part of that is because we are called to love so much and we experience love so much and our guard goes down here, right? As it should. 
So then when someone here hurts you, it hurts more than normal. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If you're a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, it's because you know he has chosen you before the foundation of the world to be in him and to be a part of his plan that he set forth from before the beginning of time. And part of that is to have you here in this place, in this church. God draws us together to do something sacred. We worship him together, but he is doing something. He is transforming us together as we come together. Iron sharpens iron. And when we meet together, the Holy Spirit works in all kinds of different ways to make us into the image of Christ. And one of the ways he's doing it is stirring, irritating, provoking, making us uncomfortable. And I'm sure that the author of Hebrews is not talking about being willful in that irritation and in that stirring. He's not giving you permission to just be annoying, please, um, or hurtful. So don't read it and think, all right, now I can gossip and backstab and be selfish because that's going to stir and provoke others up. Um, that's not what it is, and that is crazy to think that way. And we know that's crazy to think that way, right? Why would we let ourselves hurt precious people like that? That is sinful, and we need to stop. If you have been gossiping, talking behind someone's back, and here's the thing, hurt by someone or irritated by someone to the point where you're thinking, oh, I wish they weren't here in this church or I wish I wasn't here in this church and you're tempted to walk away, Take it to God. And you can take it to God right now. You can draw near to God right now. You don't need to prepare. You don't need to wait. You can just go to him because we have this great high priest in Jesus Christ and he sprinkles our hearts clean from an evil conscience and he calls us to draw near to God. But still, let us consider how to stir up one another. To what? To love and to good works. That's a special kind of stirring. That's, that's not a hurtful, gossiping, backstabbing, selfish stirring. That, that takes wisdom. That takes a whole lot of grace. I mean, think of the people around you, the people that you know are watching online or connected into this place. Consider how you can stir up the people around you to love and to good works. Um... You can do it with a question, um, with a prayer. How can I pray for you this week? I prayed for you this week. How's it going? Checking each other's spiritual health. It's kind of uncomfortable. It's kind of provoking. It's irritating a little. Um, it's a little bit dangerous being uncomfortably honest with each other, living out our faith with each other. And we really need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to do this. But let us. 
let's try. Um, Because that feeling of being provoked or irritated or hurt by someone here in this church, um, it's real. And I'm not saying that I endorse anyone doing any hurtful thing to anyone. That's, that's something they need to deal with with God. But if you're feeling it in that moment that you've been hurt by someone within the church, maybe it's a moment to let the Holy Spirit work in you, to provoke you to love and good works. Because he doesn't want you to walk away. And even more, he doesn't want you to push the other person away. He wants you to forgive and love the way Jesus Christ has forgiven you and loves you. And then to come to him together, draw near together. That's love. That's good works. That's really hard. Imagine that. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Day with a capital D. That means it's a very special day. That's the day Jesus returns. Imagine giving it all up days before he came back. That would be so tragic. Just because someone's been difficult or hurtful or because you feel like you can't come back. And the author is saying this in the, in the verses that follow, verse 32. You recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. You had compassion for those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You've lost stuff for the sake of Jesus. And since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, therefore don't throw away your confidence which has a great reward, don't give it up because that is a tragedy. That is horrific if you do that. Hold fast to what you've got. Don't give up. Let's keep drawing near. Let's keep holding fast. Jesus is coming. He has given you everything to hold on to until he comes and he is coming soon. We live in immense freedom right now. Those massive freedoms. I was talking with a friend this week, a sweet friend of mine, and he was, he was saying, imagine you get to heaven and you're there with every tribe and tongue and nation and, and like all these people from Bible history and somehow you manage to get Joshua off to the side and you're like, oh, tell me, what was it like? Like when you saw the walls coming down around Jericho, like having to go around all those times, and, and, and then, like, you see over here, there's Noah, and you're like, the ark, all that crazy stuff. Hezekiah, and you're like, everyone? The sun moving back on the ten steps. That was crazy. What was that like for you? And then they turn to you, and they say, you knew Jesus. 
What was that like? What was it like living in a time knowing that your sins were completely paid for? How did it feel to have the Holy Spirit living in you? What was it like to be part of the church, part of the body of Christ? And you're like, let me tell you, (laughs) it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Really hard at times, but really amazing. We are so blessed. We have so much freedom. Like, let's not sit back. Let's not stay all cooped up. That would be a tragic waste. Let's get out there. Let's, let's go. Draw near to God confidently. Hold fast to the hope of his promise and stir up in the most gentle and wise and loving ways possible. Stir up each other to love and good works. Let's not give up meeting together. We have so much freedom in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love. Wow, you have done so much for us. And we, we miss it. And we're sorry that we miss how much freedom you've given us. That we feel like we can't draw near. That we hold on to other things instead of holding fast to the hope that you've given us. Um, And we would rather pull away than love each other. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us abundantly in Jesus Christ. You've given us all we need. And you've filled us with your Holy Spirit to do these things, to live out this freedom. Help us to see where we can live out this freedom today, tonight, tomorrow, until you come again, Jesus.